Welcome back, guys. It is Encounter with God time here on Faith FM, which means we are about to get into our Bible study, which is going to be super exciting. We've got some great things to talk about right here today. I was going to say something about foxes, but now I can't remember what it was. We were going to ask something. Yes, we have our resident historian with us. How on (laughs) earth did these vile creatures arrive in this country? Well, what what happened was that wherever... um, English arist- whenever, wherever English aristocrats would go, they would bring their blood sports with them. And yeah. one of the blood sports that they loved the best was fox hunting. And so they'd bring their foxhounds and they'd bring some foxes and they'd, what they'd do, if, if anyone has lived so blissfully as to not know how fox hunting works, um, they would release them into the wild and um, they'd give them a half-hour start or however long and then they'd set the dogs on them. And you would, and then after you set the dogs on them, you would um, ride off after the dogs with all of your friends, um, and so so on horses. And you, the person who came home with a fox tail, was the winner. Specifically, just the tail. Just the tail. Well, of course, a fox can't survive without its tail. Yeah. Yeah, presumably if you've was... taken the tail, then you've also yeah, but dispatched the But why not the bring the whole first. thing? Like, Well, what are you going to do with the whole thing? You, no, you're not going to eat it. You, you, know, you might feed it to the dogs. The, the dogs would probably oh. look after it anyway. Yeah, um, true. But, yeah, so they, they – and, and So this is how foxes yeah. arrived in this country. And presumably some of those, when they were given that half-hour head start – They got away. Mm. Got away. <laughs> and thus we have an ecological problem, problem of mm. monumental proportions in our country right now where they wreak havoc on our native wildlife. Do you notice humans have this tendency where they go, let's control nature. Let's do that because this is what we want to do. We say that in so many things. Like We see that in like this sporting thing. Like, yes, bring, let's bring animals that aren't from here and bring them here and it'll be fine. Oh, this is a problem. Let's bring something else here and we'll sort mm. it out. But we also do that with <clears throat> daylight saving. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, like, oh, you just, had to, you had to go there, didn't humans you? Humans just like to you go. To go I'm going to control all the things because that's what I want to do. Like, okay, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. No, no, no it's not well, always, but it can be because the Bible does say that we were given dominion that is stewardship or mm. management uh, of that's the world. Different, but did you though. know the rate of heart attacks is always highest the day? the daylight saving starts because you lose an hour's sleep and sleep is actually really important for the proper function. Oh, 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 oh. See, see, I'm I'm dealing with people who have never lived in Tasmania where they should have two hours of daylight saving. You guys live too far north. That's your problem. You can't appreciate the benefits of daylight saving. We don't. We don't. Yeah, you just. (laughs) No sympathy. Nah. Just. Yeah, well, anyway. <laughs> I will wait until the next daylight saving comes and then I'll get out my bowl of popcorn and watch half of Australia lose their minds again. Yeah, yeah. While I celebrate. <laughs> Actually, I won't celebrate because the other end of daylight saving just makes me sad. Because we lose, we lose that extra hour of daylight. You're not losing it. Yes, you're you're not, do. You're yes not, you do. Yes, you do. It's always there. The just reality is, head. okay, <laughs> let me ask both of you a question. Mm-hmm. Do you ever sleep in the morning... Are you? Do you ever find yourself still asleep when the sun is up? Do I ever? Yes. Yeah. Yes. You wake up and the sun is up. See, this is the great thing about daylight saving. It wakes you up closer to when the sun comes up. No. Yes. See, see, human beings were supposed to get, get up with the sun, go down with the sun, but... But we don't go down with the we've sun. Invented, and it's even we, have in, we have we invented electric lighting 
so that we can control nature and live unnatural lives. That's what I'm saying. And, That's my point. And <laughs> the solution to that is to have daylight saving. No. Think about how much more productive you are when the sun is. See, see, daylight saving is, is, is a pain for people who love to live their lives indoors. I disagree. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll <laughs> have a, no, I disagree. I disagree. Because all the farmers I know hate it. Because they're like, this is useless. We know what nature is doing. It doesn't change a day. We just have to move everything back. When nature doesn't, we just have to. No, farmers don't move everything back. Farmers operate by the sun. Yeah, the cows don't care about yeah, daylight saving. But if you have, if you have to get something time. from A to B and now the time has changed, you just have to wake up an hour earlier. But it's not earlier. Cause it's, it's, you farmer, you're getting <laughs> up before the sun anyway. Look, I've opened a rabbit hole. Which <laughs> yeah, okay, I, we I do could need go to. down. I could go down, but we won't. We won't. <laughs> we need to get into our Bible study. Our Bible study today comes from First Thessalonians chapter two. We're going to read uh, verses six through eight. So, First Thessalonians chapter two, verse six to eight. We're going to be talking about. Well, we're going to continue our talk, our Bible study on church and community and the importance thereof and the benefits we gain from it and Jesus' example and what the Bible has to say about it. So, uh, Eliza, would you mind reading for us uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2? Well, why don't we start in verse 6? We'll take these verses one at a time. All right. Verse 6 says, Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. Okay, so they might have made demands, but they're not, are they? No. Let's keep reading. Um, Minnie, next verse for us, please. As apostles of Christ, we certainly had a right to make some demands of you, but instead we were like children among you, or we were like a mother feeding and caring for her own children. And Eliza, back to verse... Eight. Eight. So affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, Mm. because you had become dear to us. What does it mean when Paul says that they imparted their own lives? Well, in a very practical sense, Paul was often faced with death Mm. in the work that he was doing. And so he was willing to give his own life for the work that he was doing and for the people that he was reaching out to. Um, But the very practical sense is not the only sense in which he means this. Um, He's dedicated his whole life's work to the spread of the gospel among the Gentiles. Mm. And so he could have done all sorts of things with his life. He was incredibly well-educated. He could have been uh, the Pharisee of the Pharisees, and yet he chose a life of ignominy. He chose to work with people that uh, he didn't know, that couldn't repay him, that wouldn't give him prestige. Um, but he thought you know, the gospel is is a worthy mm. cause to give your life to. It's fascinating when you look at Paul's life in particular, because, okay, for Peter, Peter would have lived his life in ignominy as a fisherman, mm. never heard of. Right. Uh, so maybe you could make an argument that maybe he has a reason to, you know, preach Christianity. But Paul, let's think about Paul. I mean, he have got one of the most highly educated lawyers He's young, he's energetic, he's got a great future in front of him, he is popular, and he lives in the second largest economic base in the Roman world. So Rome was number one and Jerusalem was number two in the size of their economies in the ancient world. Now, he is in a prime position Mm. 
to rise to a position of power and prominence and wealth and ease and luxury and all of that. Mm. And look at the life that he chooses. Mm. You know, after that Damascus Road experience, you you read through the life. You know, he was shipwrecked three times. He was he was beaten. I forget how many times. He was stoned to death. Uh, and left for dead on occasion. Uh, he was eventually executed for his faith, and yet he considered all of that to be worthwhile to be able to present the gospel of Jesus Christ to the people that he had the opportunity to minister to in the ancient world. That's got to say something very powerful about the reality of Paul's experience on the Damascus Road. Mm, hugely. Because some people could say, oh, he made that up, you know. Well, if he did, he certainly did himself a massive disservice, right. didn't he? Doesn't think he lost so much. Uh huh. Like there was there was really no gain. No. <laughs> In fact, when he's writing to the Philippines, he says, he says you know, all of these wonderful. I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews, and mm. I was educated highly, and the the world was my oyster. He was even a Roman citizen, yeah. which at the time yeah, only the right. aristocracy would be given Roman citizenship, and yet he and he was given that citizenship. Yeah. He didn't have to buy it. Mm. How, how did he? I, I'm not familiar with how he got his Roman citizenship exactly. The Bible doesn't say. Uh-huh. The Bible does say that he didn't buy it. Right, right. So and he was yet given Paul says, that. even despite all of this, despite having the world at my fingertips, I count this all as it, like, like trash mm. because those things take my focus away from Christ and what, how he can transform my life and it I'm tempted to lay that focus on myself and how well qualified I am and how I have this problem and I can deal with it mm. instead of going first to God and saying, look, I need transformation in my heart. Even someone like Paul that we look up to even today still. Mm. Yes, a brilliant mind, a brilliant person. And the other thing I was going to say just on this and um, you know, sharing his life with these people, what I found is that by nature of investing in yourself – you become attached to people, right? So like when I was Bible working and I was just like, oh, okay, I'm going to do this Bible service, this and people have questions or people have this or you pick someone up and you go to the store or, you know, just like you just do a little bit more life with them. Hmm. Man, it would be so frustrating to leave somewhere and have people like not care quite the same as you. Hmm. Be, and that's just the nature of I've spent time, I've invested emotion, I've been part of your life and these guys – they did a lot of we're going to be here. Like we're planted here. Mm. We're doing life with you. So we're invested. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. even not just the hardships, sometimes the good things of relationship, mm. it just grows that kind of intimacy with people that you're like, yeah, like my life is for this season, it's been bound up in yours. Like, mm. And Paul would sometimes be in a place for a few years. Exactly. Yeah. yeah I'm in the process of moving actually, mm. moving city. And I – have had to say goodbye to a lot of people in the last month. It's not fun. No, no. Mm. And it would be it wouldn't be as painful if I hadn't had deep relationships there to begin with. Hundred percent. And yet how can you live in a place and not have deep relationships, not be real with people? That's mm. that's just an incredibly lonely existence. Um, and especially in the ministry where you're teaching people not just a list of doctrines, but how to live out those doctrines. And you're yeah. teaching people about the character of Christ. How can you not exude that from, from every part of who you are? Mm. Um, and yet when you build those, when, when you form those bonds, sometimes when you say goodbye, you have to just say, look, we may never see each other again, but we'll have an appointment mm. in heaven 
don't miss it. Mm. Yeah, what a what a uh, what an inspiration mm. that Paul is. There's this great little story here in our Bible study guide about Robert Robert Lewis Stevenson. So this guy was born in Edinburgh, Scotland, in 1850. So this is, uh, yeah, going back a few years, he recounts how that one night as his nanny was getting him ready for bed, he wandered over to the window and saw a captivating sight. It was a lamplighter going from one gas lamp to the next. And so as the story goes, with childish delight, he called his nanny over to him and said, look at that man. He's punching holes in the darkness. Oh, I like that. <laughs> You've got to love what a toddler will say sometimes. Absolutely. He's punching holes in the, in the darkness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the question comes out, what role has God given you in bringing light and love to your community? If you are not sure, invite several uh, other members to sit with you and discuss what you might accomplish together. And so you've got this particular individual. His, his job was to punch holes mm. in the darkness. And that is the work that has been given to us. That's what Mm. Paul did. Paul's like, yep, I'm going to go around this world as much as I can, as far as I can, work as hard as I can to punch holes in the darkness. Mm. And look at the effect that that has had when you come down to today, 2,000 years later. Could Paul have ever dreamed Mm. that the work that he was doing, you know, Church planting is a tough thing, and I can imagine that some of the churches that he planted were pretty small. Mm. You know, you mentioned Philippi there a little while ago. He goes to mm. Philippi, he can't even find a synagogue. <laughs> there's just there's just some women who are worshipping outside the city by the riverbank on the Sabbath morning. So he mm. goes there and he ministers to them. And, you know, within the culture of that particular time, you would sort of be thinking, well, you know, this might be a bit of a lost cause because all I've got is some women right. to minister to, and is this really going to go anywhere? But within a very short st- space of time, the Bible talks about how that he baptizes the jailer and the jailer's family. So he's baptized some women, the jailer and the jailer's family. That's a small group, a Mm. lot of effort for a small group. Mm. Now, certainly he's planted quite a number of churches throughout his lifetime, but he's worked hard. Church planting is hard work. And we often think, oh, yeah, you know, Paul um, turned up in town and, you know, three weeks later there was a church and he moved on to the next one. No, it wasn't like that. He had tremendous opposition to face in establishing Christianity. And some of these towns like, say, for instance, Athens, he goes there, he gets two converts. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. That's not much. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we think, you know, oh, he's such a great evangelist and led so many people to Christ. It's not much. And you can imagine Paul looking at his, at his own life and like, okay, I'm in Athens. I got two converts. If I'd have stayed as a lawyer and become the most prominent lawyer that there was in Jerusalem, what would I be doing right now? Would I be coming to a place like Athens and getting two converts and getting laughed out of town by everybody else? How many followers followers would I have? How many students would I be? Exactly. Using? How much prestige would I have? And earned? when I when he when he went to you know to Mars Hill, how much more prestige would he have had as the most preeminent lawyer mm. from Jerusalem compared to somebody who was well? Talking about the resurrection, you know what? This is an interesting, to a bunch of skeptics. Yeah, this is an interesting point, right? Because we're like we're talking about education, yeah. Yes, and I think so. I imagine not that Paul necessarily did, but there are times I've spoken to people that they were like, "I had more influence doing this. What if that was what I was meant to stay doing? Because I was just exposed to more people." And sometimes that's true. Sometimes, like, yeah, you know, like me personally, I'm not a business person. So 
I'll talk to you about your business, but I don't know nothing about like how to run that sort of thing. I just, it doesn't really mean anything to me, but because it means something to you, I'm like, yeah, yeah, tell me. Like I'm, I'm interested. I'm not going to follow everything, but I'm interested. Um, and so I do believe that sometimes we need to be in the sphere we're in because of the interest we'll have. Uh, the, um, what word? Well, I don't know. I don't. What word did I want? Whatever it was, the influence, the influence, not the interest that we'll have. At the same time, Paul has this space where he could have this influence, but he's like, mm, it's not it. That's, it's, it's not where not it's at. It. It's yeah. not where it's at. And it could seem, yeah, we look back and go, wow, Paul, what a guy. But I'm, I'm imagining that for a lot of people around there, they're like, man, what, what are you even doing with your life? Hmm. You know, like you're not seeing the results. You're going from here to there. You're, you're back tent making out of all things, you know, like. But one day there's going to be this thing called the resurrection. Mm, mm-hmm. And after that, Paul is going to be able to look back at his life because he, you know, even at the end of his life, he looked back and was like, yeah, there's, you know, there's laid up for me a crown of glory, which the righteous judge will give me on that yeah. day and not me only, but all those that love is appearing. And he's like, this has been a great life. This has been, you know, I'm, I'm fulfilled. I have, I've, I have run my, run the race. I've finished the course. It is, um, this is, Praise God. What, a, what an incredible life. And he's praising God for his life at the end of his life. But he has no idea that 2,000 years later here on mm. Faith FM, you know, <laughs> we're talking to thousands of people yeah. about his testimony still. Mm-hmm. And how many works have been written on the writings of Paul? How many sermons have been written based on the writings of Paul? How much influence has this guy had? Mm. And, and he's just one. You know, we could talk about many others, but he's such a, a great one to talk about because he did have a big influence on the early history of Christianity. And he was somebody who came from a very, very prominent background. Yeah. I think this really goes to show that even though like we were talking about punching holes in the darkness, mm. yes. we can think of evangelism and think, oh, well, I want my light to so shine that um, people will see the glory of God and it'll be like bright sunshine. But that's that's something that we have have a true hope for at the end of time when Christ returns and and we will bask in the glory of God and God will be our the our light in heaven. Um, but right now that is not our task. Our task is to punch holes in mm. the darkness. And we mustn't think of ourselves so grandiose as to fix all of those problems all at once. Absolutely. You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. You're listening to The Breakfast Show with Minnie, Eliza and Lyle this morning. We've got uh, Eliza here as our special guest. During the song break, we had Bruce call in with a really important point that I wanted him to share with you all. Bruce, are you still there? Yep, yep. Bruce, you're on air, so yeah, go I'm for sure. it. You wanted, yeah, to, you, wanted to talk about, uh, you wanted to talk about Paul and Jesus, and we were talking a lot about Paul and Paul's example, but you wanted to take that another step further. Where did you want to go with yeah, that? Be- yeah, because really, when you think about it, that, that it's really more about Jesus and about Paul, you know, because Paul, you know, surrendered his life, and Jesus was living out his life in Paul. Mm. And so... Like all of us, God can live, wants to live out his life in us. That, that's what Christianity is about. And so even like you said before, that when Paul died and all the things that happened because of what he wrote, you know, in the New Testament and all that, but that's all about God. God did that, you know, and it's all about us and our relationship. And it's wonderful to know that when we look at the life of Paul, that, that our life can be like a life of Paul, but it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, a fantastic um, what I mean, wrote the New Testament type of life, 
it can be a life just like the thief on the cross who at the last minute of his life gave me you know acknowledged christ and and actually when he gets to heaven can you imagine when he'll for eternity know that he was the one that when christ needed somebody he he was there to acknowledge him you know so so everybody has a relationship with god no matter what in this earth and when we get back to heaven we're gonna be with Jesus and, and reminisce about how he used us, how we work with him in this life on this planet. Mm. And, and what we've gained in that experience with God, we're going to be, we'll fulfill that position he has for us in heaven as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Just want to say thank you for sharing that because I think that really brings this back into the perspective where we need to be focusing on Jesus Christ. Bruce, thank you so much for joining us here uh, this morning and sharing your thoughts with us. Um, Always good to hear from our listeners. If you've got some thoughts to share, then um, let us know what you would like to share. 1-800-324-843 is the number to call. Um, or you can send us through a text message. Okay, wherever Paul went, he was raising up churches. Yes. And we need to talk about the benefits of community this morning, the benefits of going to church. We've talked a little bit about this, but I thought we might just spend a little bit of time just sort of listing through and talking about why some of these benefits are actual benefits. So, benefits of going to church. Where do we start? Everyone's Look, gone suddenly. No, silent. no, I just have many thoughts about like, well, I don't think community has just gone to church one day a week, actually. Um, sure. So that's my little side I did note. not say, <laughs> I did, did I say anything about once a week? No, no. I said church. Yes. Uh-huh. Well, but so going that's where, to church yeah. as opposed to living in a church community. Community, maybe. yeah, because see, I think you can go to church and not have community All right, at so all. here's what I'm going to, to talk about then, specifically mm-hmm. whether it is once a week or Every day of the week, regardless, mm-hmm. what are the benefits of going to church? Can I bring in another, in another couple of verses? Sure, go yes. for it. So reading from Hebrews chapter 10 and verses 24 and 25, we read, And let us consider one another in order mm. to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Hmm. So in this text, we see there are two or three main reasons to uh, go to church, to meet together, to be in community and not just believe as an island in yourself. The first is to encourage one another to service, to mm-hmm. love. Yeah. And secondly, to good works. And thirdly, to encourage one another. And all of these things, especially as we recognize that we are accountable, the Jesus is coming back, mm. and we yes. need to be ready for that. Okay, so let's let's just work our way through those for a moment. Uh, the first one was in, to encourage each other for to love, to love. Mm. service, yeah, to service. Mm. All right, so let's let's then look at two different scenarios. The scenario in which uh, I choose to be a Christian by myself, and uh, the scenario in which I choose to be a Christian in a community. Why does the community encourage me to love more than if I just do it by myself? Look, I my friend Tim, who I lived in New Zealand, who I knew when I lived in New Zealand last year, we often would have the conversation that like, you know what, when we're alone, we think we're great. <laughs> <laughs> then you yes. interact with people and you're like, you know what? Sometimes loving people is difficult. <laughs> do you know what I mean? You can't yes. learn to love unless you have people there to love. That's right. You just can't. 
And people- the other thing I, I see here is that when you're amongst a community of people whose purpose is to come together as a loving community, yeah. you're getting love that is being modelled to you, you're getting love that is being encouraged to you, you are being loved, you are experiencing love, and it, it raises your level to another of, of, of loving other people to another level because being alone is a very selfish exercise. Mm. I actually have some personal experience in this. Mm. So for four years before I was baptized in Adventist, I uh, was going along to a different church. It's a long story, but I was going <laughs> along to a different church and I didn't have any f- real fellowship there mm. uh, because it wasn't what I believed and I I didn't have those deep relationships people often weren't really interested in talking about the Bible or applying that practically to our lives. And so I I was stuck there. It wasn't my own decision um, for four years. And I, at the start of that four years, I thought, oh, I can be a Christian by myself. You know, it's just about what I believe and my own personal relationship with God. But I very quickly realized that actually there's a lot you miss mm. when you're not around people that can sharpen you. Mm. There's a lot you miss when you don't have people you can go to and say, I'm having this you know, difficult relationship with someone at school. Uh, for me, it was at school or at work. And I don't know how to read this any other way. It really sounds like they're just trying to attack me. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I, when I was able at last to be in fellowship with Adventists, where my heart was um, and where my, my understanding was, um, I was able to have that accountability and um, I was able to have a deeper level of trust because we have the same assumptions um, and the same foundation and we, we build everything off, well, what would God want me to do? Um, how does the Bible speak into this situation? Mm. Absolutely. We've got a little bit of time left. I want to run through a, uh, a couple of points here that I think are valuable for, you know, as far as going to church and being a part of a community by going to church. First of all, church becomes a school. It's where you learn. Mm. It's where you educate. That's where you learn from other people. If you only ever study the Bible by yourself, your knowledge of the Bible would be fairly limited. Yeah. But because of church, you can study it with a group of people in which you can g- gain a wide variety of thoughts and get your questions answered. So the second point I've got on my list here is that you would have a lot more unanswered questions if church did not exist mm. because it gives you an environment in which you can ask questions and not everybody has the answers, but there are, um, you know, when you've got a group, you're bound to find someone who has an answer. Mm. Um, it's an environment in which we can cover and we can encourage each other as a family. Now, this is an interesting one as well. Think about singing. How much more enjoyable is singing as a group? How much oh. louder do you sing in a group? Infinitely. It's than when you're best. singing by yourself. I mean, I never even sing by myself at all. I definitely sing louder Aww. by myself, but it's better I don't, in a group. I don't, I don't sing by myself. See, I'm a professional it, singer. Oh. And so I love singing by myself, but singing in a group is a completely different yeah. Yeah. experience. Well, I'm not a singer at all. And so singing as a group is the only time I ever sing. And okay. so if I didn't, wasn't a part of a church, I'd never sing. sing. Mm. Um, think about praying. You pray very differently when you're praying in a group as to when you pray by yourself. And your... Uh, variety of things to pray about is increased mm. in the group because there are so many more things that you talk about that uh, you can pray about. You're thinking about others' needs. Mm. Exactly. And when you are part of a community, you understand other people's needs, um, which 
gives you opportunity to be more caring, to be more compassionate, you've got more reminders of God's goodness because we have reminders of God's goodness in our lives all the time where you know we have experiences, it reminds us that God is good. But when you've got a whole church full of people that have a whole slew of experiences of God's goodnesses, goodness, then there's so much more of that. It reminds us of God's healing. You might be healed once in your life. If you're in a church, it happens a fair bit. Uh, and, of course, it's going to increase your desire to serve. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right, so let's have... Question of the day. Okay, the question that was texted in is Isaiah 66 verse 23. I've heard this verse used as one of the reasons why we should keep the Sabbath. Yes. By this logic, should we also be keeping some sort of new moon festival? No. Okay, explain. All right. So Isaiah chapter 66, starting in verse 22, the Bible says, For as the new heavens and the new earth which I will make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're talking about heaven. Then the Bible goes on in the next verse and it says, It will come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another, Shall all flesh come to worship before me, says the Lord. Okay, so here's what we've got in heaven. We know that we will worship God. every. We will gather together to worship God every Sabbath mm-hmm. and also every month because the moon marks out the month. Time, yeah. All right. So uh, we ask ourselves, well, why do we do that on the Sabbath? Well, the Sabbath uh, is a part of the Ten Commandments. It was given at creation. It was kept by God's people down through history. Uh, Jesus gave us an example in keeping it. The early disciples kept it. The early Christian church kept it. It was kept for centuries all the way down through the Dark Ages. Christians still keep the Sabbath. There's an unbroken chain of Sabbath keeping from creation to this day. Mm. It'd be kind of weird if God came along and said in the middle of it, oh, we're going to take 2,000 years off. <laughs> and then reestablish it when we get to heaven. Mm-hmm. This is kind of strange, right? Mm. Okay, but what about new moons? Why does the Bible mention new moons here, and why would we not keep new moons right now if we're going to be keeping new moons in heaven? Keeping new moons is, is just a reference to a monthly uh, worship service. That's all it is. Okay, right now we have no specific reason to come together once a month to worship God. Mm. However, will that be different in heaven? Well, there is going to be a tree in heaven. Ah, Liza, I'm so glad you went there. Let me read it to you. Let's, uh, before she gets too far ahead of me, let me go to Revelation. And let me see if I can find this real quick. Down near the end. There's too many pages falling out of my Bible. <laughs> you need a new Bible. Revelation is still here. That's all that matters. Uh, no, it's not all that matters, but all of it's still here. Okay, verse 2, in the middle of the street of it, on either side of the river, was the tree of life. What chapter which, are we in? This is, oh, sorry. 20, 22, two. verse 2. Here we go. In the middle of the street of the New Jerusalem, that is, on either side of the river was a tree of life which bore 12 different kinds of fruits mm. and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. So what the Bible does is it tells us a very specific reason as to why we will be gathering together to worship God on a monthly basis as well as on a weekly basis. We do not have the tree of life here on this earth right now. Mm. Therefore, we do not gather to worship God on a monthly basis right now. In heaven, we will have the tree of life and we will be gathering together to worship God once every month as that tree yields its different fruit. 
That's the difference between now and then, and that is what will change in the new earth when the tree is brought back. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.